0: guys love God's Word all right those that are done if you would just agree with me in prayer let's go ahead and get started Verse birthday father we just lift up this time right now in the word it's so important the Word of God is so important and Lord I pray that tonight that you would anoint me like never before and speak through me and let your glory be incredible here but the power of the Spirit of God to be so strong help us Lord, that the Holy Spirit just captivate us and give and give every one of us the grace to give you our best ear and our full attention that the power and presence of the Holy Spirit the anointing to help us to just get focused all the distractions gone but our minds lock into what the Spirit of God is speaking anoint our eyes and our ears we have eyes to see and ears to hear tonight eyes and ears of the Spirit and Lord to be good fertile soil and as you speak through me let your words go out as living seeds of truth Sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. or let there be a washing of the water of the Word. Let there be um, the light of truth shining forth, the light of revelation. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, to shine forth and dispel out of every person's life any type of darkness, deception, or lies of the enemy, and release truth. Let your Word, Lord, be a mighty hammer. That breaks every stronghold down. Strongholds are, are built up, lives of the enemy. Lord, that those strongholds will come crashing down and there'll be great breakthroughs in Jesus' name. Lives transformed by the power of God tonight. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to deal tonight with the spine of prophecy. Can you bring this might down maybe one notch? The spine of prophecy. Uh, 19 we're dealing with the moral decay of society But I'm going to start out talking about the Antichrist then I'm going to get to the moral decay of society But I'm going to end this With some things that we need to understand in river of life for the days to come So let me go ahead and get into this. Let's finish up about the Antichrist The Antichrist again, we're looking for the appearing of Jesus Christ and we have to keep our focus on on him and what he's doing if you get focus on the devil there's there's a fear in that there's a distraction in that but if we're focused on the Lord and what he's doing there's a boldness and there's there's a faith so we're dealing with that the the Antichrist is called in Scripture the Assyrian Isaiah ten twenty four through 25 he's called it actually 14 times in Scripture but he's referred to as the Assyrian Assyria was just north of Israel in Bible during the biblical times. Um, they made up what would be just north of Lebanon up into Turkey. And so some people believe that maybe he's from that part of the world. If not, maybe his ethnicity is from that part of the world. But that's just somewhat of a speculation. We don't know for sure. But he is referred to as the Assyrian. Um, I personally believe that the antichrist will be much bigger than just islam i believe that he will be kind of a messiah figure if you will to most people in their belief system so let me explain that here in a moment let me read the scripture then i'll explain what i mean romans 1 25 through 26 it says for they exchanged the truth of god for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator that's idolatry who is blessed forever amen for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions that's referring specifically to homosexuality there and just as he I'm sorry and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper now that is really a very serious scripture because the Bible says in the last days that there would be tremendous deception. And there are people out there that have heard over and over that about what the Bible says about certain issues. Preachers have sent it, people have witnessed to them, they've read it, they've read it on the internet, um, they've heard it maybe on television, and they don't want to hear it. They wanna keep doing what they're doing and just blow off God's word And ignore people that are telling them the truth. And eventually, the Bible says that God will give them over to a depraved mind. In other words, um, it doesn't look like there's any turning back. It's like they've just been given over to things. And we've got to have a love for the truth. And we've got to love God's word. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter. You know, you could say this about... Witnessing to a lost person, but you could take the same line of thinking and just simply preaching the truth to people You go into a church and you preach against sin or something and you you get out there and you say okay This is not right. We need to deal with this There's people there that need to hear that But there's one or two responses that you're going to get every time whether it's a lost person or a Christian When you present them with the truth They're either going to humble themselves And they're going to say the Bible's right what God says is true, and I humble myself, I want to repent and get things right with God, or they're going to get angry and defensive, and they're going to buck up against that truth, and they're going to say, I don't need that, get that out of my face, and they're going to buck up against that, and they're going to harden themselves. But either way, the truth is the truth. However we respond to it is however we're going to respond to it. It's still the truth. The truth doesn't move it's emphatic it's set in stone so it's up to us how we're going to respond to God's Word and these people that the Bible is referring to here are not responding with humility and repentance they're responding with a defiance and a pride And verse 29 says that they are filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness and greed and evil that they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, and boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, it's been presented to them, they know What they're doing is wrong somebody's told them they not only continue to do it they do the same but they also give their hearty approval to those who practice them and i believe as we're moving into end time prophecy here like i said i'm gonna start talking about the antichrist but i want that scripture out there because you're seeing before your eyes you're seeing the bringing down the moral decay of society you're seeing iniquity come to its fullness in these last days that's basically what it is isn't it well all the evil and wickedness that has been sown into mankind it's like it's it's all these seeds have been planted down through the centuries and it's it's really coming to the fullness of its harvest and the and that's what really gives the throne so to speak to the Antichrist to come to power is how wicked people have become and that's basically he embodies what they really want I believe personally that the Antichrist will be not any one particular thing I think that he will appear to be like a Mahdi to the Muslims which is their Messiah he will appear to be almost like a Buddha to the Buddhists if you will Maybe some of them will view him like a reincarnated Buddha. Um, he will be like a, a, a Christ figure to the false church. Maybe they would even view him as almost like a reincarnated Christ or something. And I know that we used to joke a lot about the, the extraterrestrial belief system, but guys, it's gotten to where some of you may not know this, but scientists, um, professors, people that are very high-respected intelligent people believe that there's extraterrestrial life and what they believe is this they believe that the earth was kind of seeded by extraterrestrials at some point, and that's where we came from and they believe that these UFO sightings and things have been them keeping an eye on us and when things get to a point to where they need to intervene they're gonna kind of come down and intervene and they're gonna remove the people out that are troublemakers or a hindrance so that humanity can evolve to the next thing. <laughs> this is what they believe. And they're not joking around about this. It. They really believe this. And so I believe to that crowd that this Antichrist figure will, uh, uh, to them, be like an extraterrestrial person, if you will. Somebody may be superhuman. Somebody maybe that they view as being sent here by them or something. To them, that's what he'll be. I'm not saying everybody's going to believe that but I believe to to the Muslims he'll be like the Mahdi to the false church he'll be like the Christ figure and to the new agers the new agers are the ones that believe that you're a God within yourself and they're they're usually kind of agnostic in a lot of ways but they believe in what's called ascended masters so they believe that people like uh, like Buddha and, and, and Muhammad and Christ and all these other people throughout history have kind of um ascended to a higher plane of existence than what we are and they're watching over us you know and whenever people these weird channelers that channel spirits will supposedly channel these people that talk through them that's a bunch of garbage it's just demons but my point is i think to them they will view the antichrist as kind of an ascended master that's come down here to teach us so is this making sense where i'm coming from here To the different groups he's going to fit their embodiment of what they're looking for to be like a christ messiah type figure to them in their mind that's what he is to them and i'm not sure that anybody will really truly know what he specifically believes but i will give you some things here that the bible says about him a lot of people have believed down through the years that he will probably be of some kind of Jewish descent. And the reason why, and you'll see the scriptures, this is just possibly there, okay? But they believe he will be because <clears throat> Jesus said to the Jewish people in John 5:43, you did not receive me when I came in my name, but you will receive another when he comes in his name. And most people believe that that is a reference to the Antichrist because he's going to be a false messiah to Israel, so to speak. And so Jesus was saying, you didn't receive me, but there'll come a time when you'll receive another. And to a degree, y'all know my heart and love for Israel. Believe me, I do. But to a degree, what's coming will be a judgment. It will be because the days of Jacob's trouble... Had they accepted Christ when he came to them, none of that would have happened, you know what I'm saying? So it is a form of judgment. All right, so Ezekiel 21, 25 through 27, the fullness of judgment because of sin. It's like in dealing with the Antichrist, you can read there, it's like he's a leader that emerges in the, it's referring there to the end of days, to the days of Jacob's trouble, and it's like this leader that emerges and he's there because of sin. He's there because of the fact of a judgment against sin, if you will, uh, regarding Israel. But listen to what it says in Daniel eight twenty three. It says that transgressions will have come to its full. So that's what I was saying earlier. It's like the fullness of the evil in humanity is really coming to maturity. Daniel eleven thirty six 36 through 37 it says that he will not regard the God of his fathers and people believe that that's a reference to maybe him being Jewish because he's not going to regard the God of Abraham he will be a counterfeit Christ like Satan's son a false Messiah and a, a part of an unholy trinity Satan will kind of set himself up appearing as an angel of light okay lucifer's great end time deception he's going to kind of present himself like god the father and the antichrist being a false christ a false messiah will be kind of like god the son and the false prophet being that the power to call down signs and wonders and and supernatural um, uh, power that he has to do these things he's a, like a false counterfeit to the holy spirit and so you see there an unholy trinity. Daniel eight twenty three says he will understand dark sayings. That's a reference to great intelligence. Things that other people didn't understand, the Antichrist will be able to understand it. In Revelation thirteen two, he was given great oratory skills. He's going to be very good at public speaking. Like a Hitler. Was able to sway the masses Hitler had a power about him didn't he Daniel 1121 he will be a political genius Daniel 825 an economic genius with great wealth Daniel 824 he'll be a military genius and we know that in the middle of the tribulation time the days of Jacob's trouble That he will set himself up in the temple declaring himself to be God and demand everybody's worship. So what he has done is once the false prophet helps him come to power, now he's in political power. He doesn't need that false church anymore. They simply helped him get into power. So he's going to burn that. Somehow there's going to be a bomb or something. He's going to destroy that false church headquarters. A lot of people believe that's the Vatican. But he's going to now say, forget about all that. You're worshiping me. and He's going to set himself up as God Almighty. But when he does that, and the Jewish people revolt against him, and he unleashes this wrath against Israel, and he begins to slaughter the Jewish people, Zechariah 2.8 is very clear that when you touch Israel, you touch the apple of God's eye. And God's going to respond to that. But unfortunately the Bible indicates that only about a third of the Jews will survive this attack the Antichrist and the false prophet you always see them together and in the end you're gonna see them gathered up together and thrown in the lake of fire alive when Jesus comes amen so ultimately the Antichrist will be defeated the false prophet will be defeated and satan will be bound for a thousand years and christ will set up his kingdom and all that the antichrist has done all the unification of governments all the unification of military probably a one world currency whatever he's accomplished all that all that has happened in the world system they thought they got it all figured out they did all these things great technology and through the judgments that are coming on the earth it's going to be kind of like the pharaoh trying to maintain order While the judgments of God are coming down in Moses' day and his economic system is being wiped out before his very eyes, that's going to be happening. But when Jesus comes, it's depicted as that stone that struck the toes of the statue and that whole entire statue just came crumbling down and was destroyed before him. So in other words, when Jesus comes, he is going to take over the kingdoms of the world. And I mean to tell you everything, everything is going to crumble before him. And he's going to rule and reign over the earth. So, that's a little bit about the Antichrist. That's, that's my view from Scripture of the way that I see him portrayed. And, you know, he's, he's going to be here for a season, isn't he? He's permitted by God. But he will be defeated by Jesus. All right, so let's talk about the moral decay of society the days that we're living in we see the rise right now of the false church and a great falling away that is actually happening happening before our very eyes it really is it has been happening for some time but I think that finally the church in America is actually awaking from a slumber and realizing it but I've been studying this and others have for the last several years and this is not new this has been going on for some time when i get down here to the point to where i said what's brought us to this point i'll explain a little bit more about some things that have been going on for a while but just follow me up to that point we've got right now the rise of the false church so there's a counterfeit christianity that is emerging it has been and i've been preaching this for years it has been happening but but now, <laughs> with the homosexual marriage legalized, you see in America anyway people are coming to their senses, and they're seeing um, all these religious, so-called Christians, you know, that are okay with this, and they're realizing, wait, there's a counterfeit Christianity out here that's emerging. There's there's a false Christianity, a false church, that is very comfortable with a lot of things that Jesus is not comfortable with. And that false christianity will pledge its allegiance one day to the antichrist and the false prophet they will take the mark of the beast and if they don't repent they will be in hell because i don't believe most of them are are christians in the first place and some of those that maybe have had an encounter with god they're very deceived and they're not right and they're in a very dangerous place spiritually so we're seeing a great falling away just like I've preached and many others have been saying for years the difficulty of the times the pressure of the times that is upon us right now is causing people to have to choose this day who you're going to serve you know and right now you're seeing people that call themselves Christians that are you know for example putting up on their Facebook these rainbow flags what they're basically saying to Jesus is "Is I'm not really following you I'm not really yours not really they're selling out okay and they're going to be prime targets for what's coming when the false prophet comes on the scene there's a falling away an apostasy that's happening and i know you guys know these scriptures but first timothy 4 1 in the latter days some will abandon the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons second thessalonians 2 3 Says before the coming of the Lord there will be a great falling away. Or that can be translated a great rebellion, but in the Greek it's apostasy, it's apostate. What it's saying is people that once followed Christ that have now turned their backs on Christ and they're no longer following him, they're no longer his disciple. An apostate, people falling away. And the Bible predicts that it would be like it was in the days of Noah and Lot. In both of those times, Jesus very clearly predicted this, but I'm going to show you maybe some things you haven't seen here. But first off, Noah and Lot were righteous men that were delivered before the wrath of God came upon the earth. Let me read this to you. For just as the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day when Jesus comes but he, he first must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be at the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. I mean, isn't that a perfect picture of what's going on today? Think about it, guys. I mean, it's like things are happening, signs in the heavens, predictions in matthew 24 on the earth signs on the earth great revival breaking out in the church great turmoil in the world and people are just going going along like nothing's going on just going on with their little lives exactly like the bible says it would happen it was the same as it was in the days of lot they were eating they were drinking they were buying they were selling they were planting they were building But on the day lot went out of Sodom it rained down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all It will be just the same on the day that the son of man is revealed But notice I put something in parentheses there. They were eating drinking buying selling planting and building You know what? They were so caught up in the world and didn't understand the times Let me say that again here they were eating drinking buying selling planting and building they were so caught up in the world that they didn't understand the times and they were so caught up with materialism we've got to be careful about these things don't we like uh, i remember steve hill said don't let your feet get sunk down into the soil of this earth but keep your your head up and your feet moving keep your eyes on jesus he's coming soon moral decay in society but realize this, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. That can be translated perilous times. For men will be lovers of themselves. Now, how many of you see that right now? When I'm reading over this, don't, don't gloss over it this time. With me, really think about what it says, okay? Lovers of themselves. They only care about themselves. They're looking out for number one. Okay, they're lovers of money. The almighty dollar. They're boastful, arrogant. How many of y'all see that out there right now? And arrogance, revilers, disobedient to parents. That's rampant. Ungrateful. That's what you see in society. People, everybody wants a handout. They don't want to work for anything. You know, they're totally ungrateful. They have this attitude like they deserve. Like, an entitlement attitude. Like I deserve people to just give me what I want, when I want it, how I want it. Unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. Well, you see that, don't you? In the church world. Without self-control. How many times you see in road rage, you see all this they, there's no self-control they, they just blow up they're brutal haters of good in Romans it said haters of God but haters of good treacherous treacherous is betrayal people that are not loyal anymore they're very willing to betray a friend betray a spouse and have an affair on them betray their kids they're reckless you see people all the time that are just so reckless about life they're just playing around and and I'm not trying to be mean about but I there's so many times you see people that for example they'll be driving down the road on a motorcycle with a helmet on going like a hundred miles an hour popping a wheelie on I-30 now listen I'm being serious that's reckless that they don't, they don't care about if they kill themselves or kill other people, it's just reckless. They're not thinking about the, the reality of the fact that they could die and they could hurt somebody else. They're just caught up in the moment and just wanting to have some kind of adrenaline rush. Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They hold to a form of godliness. Hello, here's religion here's the church world y'all ready it's in here they hold to a form of godliness although they have denied its power see churches have a form of godliness don't they but there's not that many anymore that have the power of God and it says in here avoid such as these you know what the Bible says to us when, about these type of people yes we need to love them yes we need to pray for them and yes you need to witness to them but outside of that you avoid them they're not your best friends they're not your buddies you don't hang out with them avoiding them amen that includes the malicious gospers that are running down people in the church hello so ezekiel sixteen forty nine says this about sodom this is interesting to me You know, when I say Sodom and Gomorrah, what's the first thing you think of? Homosexuality. Yeah. And that was definitely there. I imagine all kinds of sexual perversions were there. If you read the Bible and really think about it, they were trying to have sex with angels that came into Sodom as well, remember? So I'm sure there was all kinds of sexual perversions everywhere. I'm sure in Sodom you could just walk down the street with your kids trying to go to the grocery mart or whatever and buy a loaf of bread and there'd be people having sex on the side of the road. But here's what the Bible says was actually the root problem it says in Ezekiel 1649 it says the iniquity of Sodom was this you ready pride number one number two a fullness of food number three an abundance of idleness they had way too much time on their hands and number four they did not regard the poor Meaning that they didn't care about those that were hurting, they just cared about themselves. Those four things were actually what the Bible says were the sins of Sodom. That's interesting, isn't it? To me, what the Bible is showing us here is these were the root sins. This is why Sodom ended up like it was. They were prideful, they were full of food, they didn't have to work hard, they had an abundance of idleness they were sitting at home not doing anything with nothing to do and they didn't care about the poor or anything they just cared about their self indulgence and so the result of that is that they began to get very sexually perverted so we're living in a time where you and I are seeing these things begin to To really manifest itself in society. How many of you guys would honestly agree with me, Pastor Scott? I can see this right now. I can see it. Okay. These are prophecies, Romans, uh, Timothy. These are prophecies that were written about 2,000 years ago. Are y'all hearing me? Thousands of years ago, the Apostle Paul predicted these days. He saw it. God showed it to him probably in visions and dreams. However, he received this revelation. He saw these things coming and he penned it in the scriptures and he he left it there for us. But now we're living in the time when we're actually seeing it manifest before our very eyes. And it's really the moral decay of society is really truthfully what is going to allow the false prophet and the Antichrist to come to power. People did not love the truth. They didn't want to repent. They heard preachers. They heard them on the radio. They heard them on television. They heard them on the internet. They got pamphlets that, you know, people went out witnessing, gave them pamphlets and tracts, and people gave them Bibles. They just didn't want that. They didn't want the truth. And so they were given over. All right, now here's some more. I want to read something that Derek Prince wrote in this paragraph here. This is actually out of his book called A Prophetic Guide to the End Times. It's a very good book. I recommend it if anybody wants to read it. But he's dealing here with the occult and sexual perversions, and I was looking for a, a sermon that I could read this into the sermon because when I first read this book, I highlighted I really liked what he had to say. But I want you to follow me here. Derek Prince writes this about the end times. He says, Educated as I was in classes in Britain, he studied Latin and Greek, Okay. And he said, I have no difficulty in believing Genesis chapter 6. When it's talking about the Nephilim. He said, the history and the mythology of both the Romans and the Greeks are filled with stories of people whom they called gods, whom we would call fallen angels. Having sexual relations with human women. That is the initial picture of these specific conditions of the age of Noah. Noah we could perhaps sum it up with a phrase like this now listen to what he says here in the time of Noah there was intense pressure and penetration of the human race from the occult realm and unseen spiritual realm did everybody see that now let me read that again he said that you could sum up the days of Noah with this phrase and he said this Derek Prince says in the time of Noah there was intense pressure there was a penetration of the human race from the occult realm in unseen spiritual realm the next verse in Genesis Genesis 6 gives us more description of the world of Noah's day it says then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually Here the emphasis is on man's inner experience, what's going on inside of his mind and his heart. We could sum it up perhaps with the phrase universal corruption of the thought life. Everything had been contaminated, the images, the speech, the concepts, all permeated by something impure and unclean. And then it goes on to say, there was a sudden upsurge of crimes of violence. Men became so violent in their acts and attitudes that violence as a feature of life was accepted as commonplace. I think that Derek Prince did an amazing job here in a couple sentences summing up the days of Noah. The human race was penetrated by fallen angels. It contaminated the bloodlines. If you do a study on it, Noah it says about Noah, he was pure or blameless in his generation. But if you study the Hebrew, that actually reads that his bloodline was not contaminated. That's what it reads in the Hebrew. In other words, it is a strong possibility that as those fallen angels came in and began to take wives and have sex with human women and produce this Nephilim, and then those Nephilim produced more Nephilim, it is very possible that Noah might have been, him and his family, the only bloodline that was not contaminated. And so you see that the occult realm had penetrated into the human race in all of society. The result of that was that all of their thoughts, their imagination, everything that they thought about and talked about was evil continually. And it grieved God. The Bible says he was grieved in his heart that he made man. And he looked down, and because of the occult realm and the evil thoughts that and speech that was going on continually— then it resulted in great violence violence became commonplace today we would call it maybe just like a road rage and and riots and 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 this person jumping this person and and gang violence and all we're starting to see these type of things in our society more and more we may not know about some of the weird sexual encounters that people are having that they're not going to talk about but we do know that the occult realm has penetrated very strong in these last days. How many would agree with that? It is everywhere. So the occult realm, and then you see that people are continually thinking upon perversion, talking about it. A lot of what people talk about is sexual. There's always a continual thought about things and, and images and things that are discussed that shouldn't be. And you're seeing an upsurge of more and more violence in our day. So in other words, just like Jesus Christ specifically predicted, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be at my coming. Exactly what Jesus predicted is exactly what we're starting to see in in our generation emerge. Again, I would ask this question like I did earlier when I read Timothy, but how many would honestly agree with Pastor Scott right now that you're beginning to see those signs of the days of Noah emerge in our generation? Would you agree with that? So what we're seeing is a moral decay of society so what has brought us to this point? point second timothy 4 3 it says the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear i believe that the bible has predicted certain things and it's just inevitable that it's going to happen because it's in the scriptures okay but god sent us a great revival in the 90s specifically in america god sent a tremendous revival at brownsville and what marked the brownsville revival was a message of repentance night after night Steve Hill, was, he's called, he was called an evangelist. I mean, that's what he did, but he continually preached to the lost and he continually preached against sin. You know, a chess match, and this is how Satan maneuvers. God moves and then Satan tries to countermove, right? Right after that great wave of revival hit, a message of repentance was being preached across the land. I mean, it was going everywhere. Satan moves and then you start seeing a watering down of the gospel. In churches and now they don't want to offend anybody so they shrink back from preaching against any type of sin there's never a message of repentance there's this happy feel-good messages right and so what happened was I believe in my opinion if the Church of America had really embraced what God was doing and had caught hold of the vision and had been preaching repentance and let the, the fear of God come on the people by the Spirit of God like they should have Over the last decade or so our society right now may look a lot different than it what it does and it is even possible that this recent ruling in the Supreme Court may not have even happened you never know I don't know but people say how did we get to this point well I'll tell you how here I believe that the watered-down church has a lot to do with it Here's a couple things. Number one, there's been something that's been going on for some time. This is not new. And it's called the emergent church. I've preached on this. But I want y'all to know that it's out there. And I want you just to be careful about this, okay? The emergent church has no official membership and no official beliefs. In fact, they most of them probably do not believe that the Bible is the perfect word of God anyway. They would consider sitting, sitting around chatting on the internet about philosophies of God or sitting around Starbucks talking about the things of God. They would consider that just as much church as what we're doing tonight in their minds. Other books, other writings would have just as much value as the Bible to them. I've studied this group. The, the way that I got introduced to this group was I was trying to do some online witnessing and talking to people. And I found myself among some so-called Christian groups, Christian forums. And it really grieved me because there was so much profanity and inappropriate stuff and occult, blatant occult, um, sexual, you name it, and these were supposedly Christians. And I would try to talk to them, and, of course, they really, truly despised what I had to say. that That's not saying it. I may be actually being nicer about it than I could be. They really, really despised what I had to say. And the Lord finally spoke to me to quit throwing pearls to the swine. So I just got off of it. That's how I kind of got introduced to this group. But this group is all over. What it is, it's disillusioned people, predominantly young people, that don't like the church as it is and i understand that the church world's not perfect and i understand that there's some churches that personally i would not attend myself but they need to understand that jesus is still in the church it's still his church and he still has a five-fold ministry whether they like it or not and what they're doing is they're rebelling against jesus and they're rebelling against his authority he's invested in the church and in the five-fold ministry And so they want to do their own thing outside of the church, outside of Christ's authority. Their beliefs range. There's no telling what some of them believe, honestly. One of their so-called prophets that they look to is a a rock star that's been, I don't want to say who it is, um, but he's been around for a long time. And this rock star's belief system is this, and he's very clear about it and very open about it. He believes that they all roads lead to god you know whether it's jesus muhammad buddha whatever down the line all of them lead to god so he's got this very universal mindset that's their so-called prophet they sing his rock songs in their church services if they have church services and they really view his lyrics as being like a prophetic utterance or something it's bizarre so there's other leaders in this group some that listen to me some of the leaders of this group have books that are in the bookstores that people think are Christian books. But in these Christian, so-called Christian books, if you read them, there's statements in there that are very unsettling, some of which are like this. How could a loving God abuse his own son like that on the cross? And they pervert the gospel. I'm just saying that's what's going on out there, guys. And so some of these disillusioned young people have no direction they're rebellious so they don't want to come under the authority of the church they're open game for these type of people and they get sucked into these groups through internet forums however it is and now they're kind of wrapped up in this weird deception what the emergent church believes i believe that it will somehow amalgamate itself with the false church false prophet and other religions it's just going to blend right in But here's the mindset. I want everybody to please hear what I'm about to say. The mindset with the emergent church and others is this, that we can have heaven on earth. That's ridiculous. Think about that for a minute. They believe that we can usher in an age of peace. That's exactly what the false prophet is going to offer them one day. They believe that we need to be very tolerant and accepting of everything but yet jesus says i'm the way the truth and the life and that's why this last days this what's coming with the false prophet and all these different belief systems kind of merging into him that's why true biblical christians will be hated because they will be the only ones that say we're not going along with this jesus said this isn't our personal opinion that we came up with yesterday jesus said i am the way the truth and the life and nobody can go to heaven but through him and what he did at calvary that's and they're going to hate that because they're going to view that as being so intolerant to everybody else's beliefs and views and is this making sense tonight i'm talking about the moral decay of society here and how it's bled into the church world right now Many churches out there will sit around and try to figure out how they can get more people's rear ends in the seats and how they can get more money in the buckets they their past and what they can do to make their church people more comfortable and more happy. And they have meetings like that. In our board meetings, those type of things don't even come up. Who cares? We do, It's just like, what Jesus, what do you want? But that's what they sit around and do. How can we strategize about this? Using man's wisdom and man's ways and the ways of the world trying to reach a lost world will never work. They've become very seeker-friendly and they call it relevant, but I'm not sure that's the word I would use. I think I would use the word incompetent because it's not impacting anything they think it is but it has no eternal fruit are y'all hearing me? some things can be a mile wide but only be about half an inch deep it can look really good on the surface but once you pop the lid off that look down in there it is disgusting what you're looking at it's like a whitewashed tomb that looks good on the outside but dead men's bones on the inside there's other teachings that have been in our society for so long like the once save always save mentality. Man, I believe that right now, and I know this may offend some people to hear this but I mean just get over that, but anyway, I believe right now underneath our feet in hell right now there are hundreds of thousands of people and I don't believe I'm that's an exaggeration that are there because they were told by preachers and churches that all you got to do they say some little prayer, and then you can live however you want, and you're eternally secure. Even though they say, well, we would never say it like that, but that's what you're saying. You're telling people that they, no matter what they do, they can go to heaven. That's not true. If you live in unrepentant sin, you will go to hell. That's just the way it is. Repentance, amen? Turning. but these seeds have been sown that type of teaching and that type of mentality has been so deeply ingrained in our culture for so long that it now is beginning to come forth as a hyper grace teaching how I many of y'all know what i'm talking about I'm talking about hyper grace my goodness they they believe so weird that honestly they believe this this is not an exaggeration it's going to sound like I'm, I'm exaggerating but i'm not They believe that everything was paid for at Calvary, which is true. Therefore, you don't even have to confess your sins now. Because if you do something tomorrow, it was already taken care of. So basically, you can keep going out sinning because it's on credit. Because Jesus already did it. It's just like, you know, getting so confused in your thinking. That's hyper grace. I believe in grace and I need God's grace but grace is there to empower us you know what grace is grace is there to help us it is god's smile his favor on us as his children that he's given us the holy spirit to live in us and the holy spirit living in us he will empower us and help us to repent to change into the image of christ to overcome things that we could have never overcome on our own to teach us the bible to teach us the ways of god that's grace it's not a license to keep sinning that's a perversion of grace then you also i'm talking about now the moral decay of society how this has crept into the church and now among many out there many ministries and churches it's hard to tell the difference between the church and the world in the way the people are living and even in some of their services because it's just entertainment based and it's just motivational speaking another thing that has crept in has been a mentality of dominionism which is a belief system that we are taking over as christians taking over the governments and we're going to usher in the coming of christ so let me try to sum up what they believe real quick they believe that the world is getting better and not worse they believe that christians will come into positions of influence among governments um, economic realms military realms all kinds of different realms of influence, and that through that, we're actually going to, they, they don't believe in the rapture, so we're going to be here during the tribulation is what they believe, and we're going to be kind of going head-to-head with the Antichrist, that as he comes to power, we're going to be calling down judgments on him, and that's what these judgments are in Revelation, and there's going to be this clash that's going on, but ultimately the church will prevail, we will overcome him, and we will usher in this age of peace, if you will, And Jesus will simply just come in and walk right into that, what the church has already prepared for him. That's basically what they believe. So there's a mentality there of taking over governments, taking over realms of influence. But how many of you guys know the Bible actually says the opposite? That these things are going to be given to the Antichrist for a time. It's going to be permitted and then when jesus comes he's going to take over not us not me and you so dominionism has crept in it's some of it i've i've heard has been very concerning because i believe that some of that will play right into the false prophet and antichrist very much so play right into what they're doing all right so let me start moving to a close guys we need to prepare for judgment i say this just trying to help everybody as a pastor but i want you all to please hear me if i right now if judgment came in america and there was a need for food and things like that the church has some that we could help people with but it wouldn't go very far that there's only so much we can do i strongly encourage everybody because of what's going on in america that you begin to prepare for the days ahead in a practical way. You need to have enough water to last you for a couple weeks in your house because the water supply could be contaminated and you can't use your sink. You need to have um, some things like flashlights and you need to maybe, if you don't have a gas grill, you need to get one and get extra propane tanks so that you can cook. Because if you don't have electricity for a couple weeks, how are you going to cook? you can do it by propane you also need to have some food maybe some things i mean you're not going to be eating like a king okay so you need to think rations here but some of the things that would be very practical is maybe some of those nutrition bars have some of those put back meal supplemental meal supplemental bars things like that Um, again you're not going to be eating really good so you know you're looking at ramen noodles (laughs) you're looking at beans and rice right but i strongly encourage you to stockpile some of these things it's very inexpensive you can get a big old thing of beans and rice and stuff like that ramen noodles it's very cheap but i encourage you to do it and get non-perishables whatever that is you can go through the aisle that has all the non-perishable stuff and just get things but you need to have things in place for at least a couple weeks because it may take that long i also strongly encourage you to consider If you don't keep cash at outside of the bank at your house or something that you do that are y'all hearing me because if the electricity went out how's the bank gonna give you any money and that's not really that that's kind of a minor thing compared to what it could be I encourage you to to keep some money maybe a couple thousand dollars or something however much you can outside the bank In your house smaller denominations like twenty dollars or less if you go to a lot of places you know they may not can break a big hundred dollar bill or a thousand dollar bill you walk in there with you know so smaller denominations but have some cash there at your house in a safe place and just for emergencies like that there's some other things I'd recommend I'm not going to do it preaching right now but just being ready for the days that are ahead. You need to prepare uh, financially, prepare with food and water, and um, self-protection. And I'll just leave it at that. I think you guys know what I'm saying. Okay, Self-protection. We're in Texas. All right. Amen. Y'all know where I'm going with that. All right. So let me keep going here. Just be ready for these things. I believe with all my heart that god's hand is on the righteous he's going to protect us i really do but as judgment comes down in the world the world's systems get affected it can affect me and you what if something was to happen where trucks could not get to the local walmart and everybody bought up all the food i mean what are you what are you going to do most of us don't have a cow in the backyard to slaughter and cook right We most of us don't have big garden that we can eat from you know um so with that said we've got to plan ahead amen all right so what must we do to stay the course in these last days we're living in a time with the moral decay of society like in judges twenty-one twenty-five, it says there's a warning that everyone did what was right in his own eyes but god's holy word is the standard isn't it let me say that again judges twenty-one twenty-five. the warning there in the book of judges was everybody did what was right in their own eyes And we're living in a time, and you know it, and I know it just as clear, that we're living in a time where people are doing what's right in their own eyes. They're making their own rules. And they say, well, what's uh, what's sin for you may not be sin for me. That's bull. The Bible's crystal clear what's sin and what's not. America will experience some realms of judgment in the days to come because of the course the leaders have chosen to take, even though the majority have been against some things. But I believe America, this is what Dutch Sheet said. Y'all agree with this? Ready? I believe America will survive the judgment. I still believe we will experience a great revival, a third great awakening, followed by a great reformation. If this occurs, it will turn America back to God and save us from complete, total apostasy and destruction. But a revival of this magnitude is our only hope. And let me tell you, god can do it and he has done it before the nation of wales is the perfect example things were horrible that's why they were praying for revival but when god came down in wales it was so powerful and so intense evan roberts was only believing for a hundred thousand souls he probably saw that within a month the whole area was shaken by the power of god it was so radical society was affected that's what we're talking about revival's awesome but when it comes into an awakening where it's really affecting a whole nation, and then the awakening can actually turn into a reformation. So let me say that again. Revival's great, but we need a sustained move of God over time that can turn into an awakening. Like what the Wesley saw, where you know it started with a smaller group, but as they kept going and kept going, it, it gained momentum and it affected large areas and and if the revival can sweep and, and turn into an awakening where the whole nation's affected then you're starting to deal with a national awakening that can in turn become a reformation where society is altered in a major way that is what we need and God's done it before and i really believe that it's been very clear prophetically that revival is going to hit america and everybody that has prophesied and seen it has said they saw all of America blaze in the fires of revival. And they've seen Dallas like a hub. thats That sounds to me like an awakening. It's not one or two pockets here and there. It's the whole nation affected. That is what's coming. But I'm going to tell you, it's only going to come if we pray. And believe. The days of doubt and unbelief are over this is the time where we believe god for big things Uh, just as god's been speaking to me i've been praying about what i shared with you guys earlier there's something coming the river of life you you know there's been people come and go and all that and haven't caught the vision You, you just wait it's coming i've seen it god's shown me but you know what god's shown me when i've been praying and speaking blessings and things this is what he told me he said don't limit me in any of your prayers or any blessings you're speaking don't limit me he said don't don't set boundaries he said this he said you just believe as big as you can and he said let me set the boundaries take the lid off let let just as big lord to the nations send revival to the nations let it affect every nation all over the world draw people in from the nations just believe in big And then God said, I'll set the boundaries of influence and authority that I have for you. So with revival, guys, we're handling, we're going to have to handle a couple things. I need to close with this, but I need y'all to get this, okay? So everybody, please tune into me right now. We're heading into revival in the the days and years to come. You and I are going to have to learn how to handle some controversy. Are y'all hearing me? listen satan's been attacking in different ways but the strategy is about to change the strategy and warfare the enemy is about to change here's how satan has attacked most all other revivals that have ever happened number one is through infiltration trying to send in the wrong people some of that yes can be witches and weirdos but some of it can be well-meaning christians that are just troublemakers So you have to weed out and discern that. And you've really got to walk with God with that and not allow the wrong people to have influence and to affect. There was a lady named Elaine Lee that was a, a practicing witch for many years, very high up in Satan's kingdom. And she said the whole time that she was in hardcore Satanism, serving the devil, she attended local churches and most of the time taught Sunday school classes and prayed for people. You want to know my opinion? I think that's very common, honestly. I really do. Because people have no checks and balances. Just anybody that wants to get involved can just get involved. Anybody that wants to sing on the worship team, hey, they're volunteering, that's great. And now the mentality is, is that, well, if we can just get people involved, they'll stay, so we'll just get everybody involved. You don't want everybody involved. The next attack is the smearing that goes on this is what i was kind of concerned about and i really want you guys to please hear me with this because i'm kind of concerned because i don't think that everybody is ready necessarily for this how many of you can safely say and just keep in mind that peter's famous last words surely not i lord okay but how many can safely say that when it comes to looking like the biggest fool and being smeared for revival that you're okay with that really it's easy to say oh surely not I Lord everybody else may betray you Jesus not me I'm I'm in for the long it's easy to say until it happens so let me just tell you from revival standpoint that there is a stigma and a smear that comes because Satan attacks that way pastors that have seen revival have, have told stories about eating at a local restaurant something like on the border or whatever and hearing people talking amongst themselves out there that's that pastor at that weird church over there you know and it's like having your reputation smeared because of the revival so here we go here's what concerns me number one is we can't have any pride We've got to not care if we look like a fool or trying to defend ourselves too much. There's a time to stand up and say something. But most of the time, you're not going to want to defend yourself. Let the Lord do it. But there's got to be a death to pride not caring if you look like a fool to the world, not caring if you look like a fool to the religious the critics that slander moves of god and past awakenings and past moves of god this goes way back there's people that satan has raised up that would be mighty critics of the revival it happened not only in the 90s it's happened historically you guys have heard me tell about the great welsh revival and g campbell morgan was powerfully touched in that revival to turn around when azusa broke out he was calling it the last vomit of satan he was trying to use his influence as a preacher to turn people away from Asusa. critics slanderers of the move of god the vicious attacks of smearing against the revival against the church or against the leadership and the revival the church and the leadership need people and so satan's trying to do this to to cause people to want to bail out of the move of god I remember I give you some examples because I know a lot about Brownsville. I tell a lot of Brownsville stories, but there was articles written that, that people were walking around um, with leashes like dogs and barking in the revival. Give me a break. I mean, listen, John Kilpatrick got up, and laughed about that, and said, do you really think that's ever even once gone on here or ever would? But you know how many goofy people believe stuff like that? You know, Satan, that's a smart strategy because a lot of people believe the garbage that's written and there's not even a small amount. Did you know during the revival, there was rumors that, that John and Brenda got a divorce? They never even, to my knowledge, had a fight that I know of, let alone separated. They didn't separate, man. It's like they, there was no divorce, yet years after the fact, Somebody, I remember him telling a story, that somebody came up to him like in 2009 or something and said, hey, I'm glad to see you and your wife are back together again. He's like, they never even separated. You know what I'm saying? But it's this, this smearing, this, this campaign of smear and just slander and gossip. It's malicious. And it's meant to try to keep people from coming to the revival, you know, Satan using his puppets to try to discredit the move of God. Don't overreact or underreact or do something foolish. Listen, people try to bait you. I'm not one that is going to get caught up in the realm of debates. Because 99% of the time, the people you're debating are not interested in the truth. They're just interested in winning the little argument that they have with you. So... It's our job just to preach the word, ask the Holy Spirit to come move in power, and then let God sort it all out. Because Satan, there'll be people that try to bait you into these little arguments and fights and debates and things like that, and it's like there's a little demonic spirit they are using them trying to bait you in. And you're going to have to be humble enough that you're willing to look like a fool and just walk away from that and not get caught up in it don't overreact and don't underreact because if you're not careful when they bait you in pretty soon you're angry and you say something that they start using against you anyway right use wisdom and don't give the devil a place to accuse or attack we will be moving quickly into times we don't want to be here's another thing we're moving into times right now i've I've seen this for years and, I, and I've, I've alluded to it, but I believe that now we're actually walking into it right now, 2015. We're moving into times where you don't want to necessarily be a high-profile ministry unless God's called you specifically to do it because they're gonna be targeted. See, people, because of pride and ego, a lot of men out there, they really want to self-promote and get man to promote and rub the right elbows or whatever you know and and meet the right people whatever and they want to promote themselves up to a a position of influence that god never really gave them this is not the day and hour that that's going to go well for you so what i'm trying to get at is this be as humble as you possibly can hid with god in christ and if there is any promoting to do let god do it because where he promotes you to he will sustain you at that place but if you've promoted yourself man you're on your own so don't think that i'm going to be trying to you know promote things because i believe that we're coming into times where true christians that preach like i do and there's still some out there there's going to be a persecution there and you don't want you don't want to promote yourself and where you're on your own trying to do this you want God's authority because God actually promoted you to that place. So here's the last thing we close with this right here. Don't if your brother sins against you, show him his fault in private. If he listens, you've won over your brother. But if he does not listen, you take one or two more, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen, them take it to the church. If he, if he refuses to listen to the church, let it treat him as you would a gentile or a tax collector. Truly, I say to you. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I want you to notice that first off, Jesus is talking about church problems, isn't he? But then what does Jesus go into? Whatever you bind will be bound. So Jesus is trying to teach us here that spiritual warfare is the root of most church problems and then he said if two of you will agree it'll be done and what he's saying here is when issues start coming up where there's division or whatever and Satan's trying to cause problems what you need to do go to the person and talk to them yes but you also need to bind the spirit the divisive spirit behind it and you need to come together in prayer then you'll get the victory so i really believe that these are some prophetic things that are coming and we have to be willing how many would say that you love the lord enough to at least humble yourself and if you got to look like a fool sometimes you just want to look stupid sometimes amen look that's just the way it is if you're going to go out witnessing we got to have enough backbone to realize hey look not everybody's going to like jesus and some people are going to cuss us out sometimes amen that's just the way it goes you just shake it off and go on same thing with revival we want revival but you got to understand not everybody's going to lack revival. And there's going to be things that are said and people out there. And you've got to be willing to take that and be, just shake it off and keep going after God with all your heart and not allow yourself to get depressed about it. Don't allow yourself to get angry and start trying to defend the move of God. The Holy Ghost is God. He don't need you defending Him. He can defend Himself. Amen? And the Bible doesn't have to have a whole lot of defense either. The Bible's the Bible. It's God's Word. If people don't want to to listen to it, that's their problem. Our job is to preach the truth in love and let God be God, let the Holy Spirit move in power, and then let God sort it out. So see what happens, the reason why I'm saying that is what happens is sometimes these critics want to try to fight about certain scriptures and debate and fight because they don't believe maybe like falling down or something's of god and then you get in this argument and debate and listen let god sort that out the holy spirit is big enough that if he puts somebody on the ground he's big enough to take care of the rest of it okay if they don't want to believe that's god that's their problem whatever so here's what we've got to do here's our response number one forgive immediately The last time I was at Brownsville I talked to a couple ladies that were um, altar workers back during the revival and one of the ladies was telling me how important it is to forgive immediately she was talking about the flow of the anointing in and through you and she was saying forgive immediately don't harbor anything it's going to be very important in the days to come that we forgive immediately don't allow anything to get in your spirit and let me tell you something don't let the sun go down without dealing with stuff if you can if you if you have wronged somebody and you realize it don't let the sun go down call them and apologize to them maybe they're mad and they're not going to talk to you right now then let them cool off and talk to them but don't, if you can don't let the sun go down without dealing with these things if somebody's hurt you don't go to sleep until you forgive them you pray about it god i'm gonna let it go I forgive them no matter how hard it it is to do no matter how much it hurts it doesn't matter I'm gonna forgive them now in Jesus name don't let it slide make sure that you deal with this on a daily basis because it will try to take root if you don't secondly bless and pray for people there was two pastors true story they both knew each other and were friends both of them went through a very extremely painful um, like church split, really bad stuff going on in the church. The people were horrible at both churches. I mean, they're very vicious, and anybody that's ever been around that stuff, it's, it's very painful, to say the least. And so they were both very hurt. One pastor began, he knew as much as it hurt, he had to do this. He prayed for the people, he forgave the people, and he blessed the people every day and he said he felt after doing this he felt like there was something enveloping him like protecting him the other pastor just went into like a depression about it he didn't really bless him or pray for him the other guy tried to tell him to but he was just so hurt and so depressed by the whole thing this is a true story after a little while about a year or something like that he died and the doctor said that there was actually no physical reason for him to die he simply just died of a broken heart true story it is important that we forgive people and we pray for them and bless them it's not just for them it's for us there is a healing and a protection that comes as we obey the bible remember that story don't be the guy that goes into depression and, and takes all of that hurt and pain and internalizes it and ends up having problems down the road. Don't do that. Give it to God. Forgive them and release all that hurt and pain. Pray for those people and bless them and watch God protect you. And finally, bind the enemy, as I mentioned earlier. So as we're going into these last days, guys, and we're going to see revival, I just want people to be ready. I don't want you to have some romantic notion in your mind that it's all just wonderful and everybody's going to love the revival. Listen, every time throughout church history, there has been persecution against every move of God. John Wesley had to preach in the streets because the churches did not like him. That's why he preached in the streets. It wasn't because he liked the streets. It's because the churches rejected him. That's why Finney had to do his own thing okay? All through church history, the Azusa Street Revival was talked about. All the revivals. And the same thing through the 90s. To this day, there's a lot of rumors and garbage going around about Toronto and Brownsville and other moves of God that have no merit. Are you willing to be able to take that persecution?